Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Evolving Engineering and Construction Brands Podcast with your host, Matthew Winkelstein. Happy New Year, everyone. Hope on's holiday was everything they wanted it to be and more if possible. At a minimum, I hope you got to spend some good time with family and take a little bit of rest, maybe a little bit of reflection. I'm excited to kick this year off with a strong episode from someone that I've grown close with over the last 18 months, and that's Puneeth Upadia. Puneeth uh, is a young professional who has a fantastic story. I wanted to have Puneeth on the episode for a couple reasons. Number one, Puneeth is that young, technical, Gen Z professional that you want to hire and you want in your company. And so you'll get to hear how he spends his time. I also wanted to have him on here because he started a community of technical professionals that I believe some people that listen to this podcast can learn from or even leverage his community or participate in his community. We cover those topics and more. We talk about how at 14, Puneeth went through a summer program at Duke that kicked off his passion for nanotechnology, talks about how he got his job at Boston Scientific and how that experience led him to start his community, even when he was still trying to get his dream job. And he'll talk about some statistics on the community, how many MSE professionals he's helped land positions through one-on-one -on -one coaching, what his community stats are like, his big vision for It's a Material World podcast and the social community that surrounds it. We're going to get into some brand stuff. What do brands mean to Gen Z? How do Gen Z use social media and how do they find opportunities? And then lastly, we'll get into Muniz's habits of gratitude and reflection and how that shapes his day, his month, and his years. Without further ado, we'll pick up the story with how Puneeth got interested in material sciences. Hey, but before we get in the episode, do me a favor. If you like this, I mean, if you like it, will you please like and subscribe, give us a review, engage with our stuff on social media. It probably doesn't seem like much, but if you're a marketer listening to this, you know the power of engagement. So if this is quality, please let us know. If it's not, we're going to continue to strive to earn that like. Hope you enjoy this episode. In terms of what interested me in material science, honestly, it was like a nanotechnology Duke tip summer course that I took in high school. My dad signed me up for it, but I just really enjoyed the historical objects like the Lysurgis cup and the optical nano properties. And honestly, it was just really cool to see how the smallest things literally had the potential to make the biggest impact. And eventually I just fell in love with this idea of creating nanobots that destroy cancer cells. That was honestly like things that I daydreamed about during high school. And then I think it was one of the next couple of summers I took a material science summer course at NC State, and that just confirmed the material science and engineering route. And so that's how I ended up choosing that major going into Georgia Tech. How old were you when uh, you went to that program at Duke? I think I was like 15, pretty early on. Yeah. Obviously, as you can tell from our producer in the beginning, I brag about you to the people that I know. And I just <laughs> had a conversation with a different guest. We were talking about our young people lazy. And I said, I don't experience that at all. I think they're more motivated, understand where they're going with their life to a different degree than I could ever imagine or most people <laughs> that I knew back then. And you're a prime example of that. Glad to have you shaping the next generation. I was not dreaming of creating nanobots that fought cancer cells in high school. <laughs> Who knows what I was dreaming about? I feel like college where a lot of personal development happened. And really in high school, it was like, here's what you should do to get into a good college. But then eventually it turned out to be like, 
hey, I want to do what I'm interested in and what will set me up for a good future. Awesome. We're going to get into your community and your podcast here in a second, but I want to help people understand your own professional career, right? You're not just a podcaster. You didn't just create this community. You created this community out of a need. So how did you obtain your role at Boston Scientific? And then we'll back into like how that affected you creating your community. And so what we previously talked about with this idea of changing the world for the better, making a positive impact, that kind of carried on through college into my job search. My dad, a few years ago, faced some heart-related issues, and that gave that personal motivation for me to pursue a role where I could make an impact within cardiology specifically. So that's where I got interested in the medical device world without really any previous experience. Yeah, I would say the biggest contributor to how I landed that role at Boston Scientific was just making it a point to do one to two informational interviews per week for literally two to three months in a row, just to figure out what options are out there for me as a materials engineer and where I can successfully enter this space with no previous industry experience in medical devices. So that consistent networking really helped me understand what recruiters are looking for, um, helped me refine my resume. I also was able to leverage other people's insights and their referrals. And that's what really played a pivotal role in my job application. And then ultimately the icing on the cake. I learned this through a LinkedIn learning course, honestly, for something else entirely, but I created a slide deck that showed my previous experiences, my research into this specific role and what traits that I had that fit those criteria required for success as a design assurance engineer at Boston Scientific. I sent that to the hiring manager that led to a phone call that led to interviews and then and finally an offer. So that's how I obtained my role at Boston <laughs> Scientific. That is very impressive, Pundit, very impressive. So now you went through this process and I would say that you went above and beyond what most candidates do to be able to secure a position. And so from conversations that you and I have had offline, I know that whole process spurred your interest in helping other people get to the companies that they wanted to get to. So what did you learn through that process that you thought, hey, I want to teach other people this. And then how did you go about communicating that information initially? Originally, I saw a lot of the same pain points through just conversations with peers. In Georgia Tech, I was the president of a career development, professional development organization for MSEs. And it was a lot of these same challenges of materials engineers don't really know what companies they should apply for, what roles they can obtain within these various companies and industries. And then there was a lot of the same iteration of going about a job search process, applying to hundreds of jobs online, submitting the same resume, and then just hoping that one of those works out and that they get an interview. But for me, that process was entirely different. And that's what I wanted to share with our MSE community is that whether we like it or not, our network plays a pivotal role in our success. We can really be shaped by those around us. And so that's why I spent more of my time networking and then refine my resume based on what I learned from the people who were in that role. So I was able to get a blueprint for success. And now with this MSE community that we've built through our podcast and our online course and everything like that, I wanted to share that blueprint and showcase from different MSEs what experiences were really important that can lead to obtaining people's dream career, whether it's working at Tesla, Boston Scientific, GE, et cetera. How far after you secured your position at Boston Scientific did you think, I want to try and create a community for other material science engineers to understand how to get their dream job? 
Yeah. And so I think it was a lot of it was almost in parallel because we started this material science podcast to material world before I landed my job at Boston Scientific. It was actually during the pandemic. And that's what kind of sparked this idea of starting a podcast. There wasn't really a vision for it at that point. It was just, let's just do it because it's fun. And then maybe six or seven months later, that's when we started treating it with more structure and seeing what can come from that. And I would say, so in, in March or April, 2021, last year, that's when I got the offer for going to Boston Scientific. That's when I made that decision. And then maybe three or four months later, as I was actually starting in my role, that's when we really ramped up this project of creating a career service, career coaching course for material scientists and engineers. So let's talk a little bit about the community and then we'll talk more after that about the two-sided marketplace. Because I think something yep. interesting that I pick up from your content and conversations is you're not only having to help material science engineers understand how to get these jobs, you're also educating employers about the different jobs that material science engineers can help with, which I think is unique compared to a lot of other people. So I want to get into that in a second and also let employers know how they can work with you and tap into your community First, let's talk about the community, which is why you started it, to help material science engineers. How many members does the community have now? And so I feel like we have members in different spaces, but I was doing the math the other day. We have about 350 members in our Discord community. That's where there's a lot of interaction, people talking with each other, asking questions, and where we have some industry chats, where we bring on past guests, recruiters. We have about 450 subscribers on our mailing list. Both of those were created about a year and a half ago. So those are our main community spaces. And then just from the podcast side of things, we have about 2,500 subscribers on all podcast platforms, and then about 2,000 followers on social media platforms. That's awesome, man. That's a heck of a community. It keeps you busy too, huh? <laughs> it does keep me busy. And so there, there's definitely times where it's harder to keep track of everything and answer all the questions <laughs> in a timely manner, but it's definitely fun and it's very fulfilling. And I can tell you from firsthand experience, knowing Puneeth, that if he doesn't respond to you, it is not on purpose. He is a person <laughs> that wants to respond to you. And if you have a question about material science, he wants to be able to respond. So give him a little grace if he misses your message and circle back with him. And I bet he'll take care of you. So how many engineers have you helped find employment with their dream job so far? Do you know that number? I was trying to figure this out and it's hard to say because there's some where it's just having a call, like a strategy call, really just taking 30 minutes to be able to help people answer some questions. Some are through direct coaching and then some are through podcasts and sharing our insights through there. I think maybe conservatively, my estimate would be 20 through through one-on-one -on -one coaching and then maybe more, but who knows at that point. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So you started this while you were going on your own journey. You've already been able to directly through one-on-one -on -one coaching and through people buying your product, help 20 people get their dream job, which those of you who have struggled to find a career or a position that you enjoy, you know how impactful that is. And I can only imagine how much more impactful is the other 20 people. But the thing that I understand well, and I think you understand well too, is how many more people you're educating through your content and how you can see that in the way that people are making it to your different communities. So you're obviously helping more than the 20 you've directly helped it. It's nice to hear that 20 people have purchased the actual service. But when you have a couple thousand subscribers to your podcast and you get that much engagement on social media and you have people taking the time to make it to your Discord, you're obviously making an impact with your content too. And that's phenomenal, admirable. And I appreciate it for the world, but I know material <laughs> science engineers appreciate it for the direct benefit. Um, I appreciate that. And I also just wanted to thank you, Matt 
for everything that you've done to help me to like that consistent mentoring has been so impactful in terms of just like being able to pivot and really focus because as there's a lot of things that are going on in, in my world and a lot of things to juggle and I really appreciate our conversations where you can provide some focus say like, prioritize this will be really impactful so I'm very grateful. That- I am too. I don't feel like it's a mentoring thing because I learned just as much from you. So it's a lot of fun. (laughs) And that's why you and I have been on some long walks together, even in the poor weather where we're talking on headphones and I really enjoy those moments. So what's your current vision for this community? And then if you wouldn't mind, what's your big vision? Where do you want to see this in five or 10 years? Yeah. And so this is something that I try to reiterate to our team with every meeting, but our vision is to become the network center for the MSE community. We want to act as a bridge for material science and engineering students, connecting them with companies that are hiring or universities, professional societies, any organization involved in this material science space. And so in order to achieve that, we want to consistently create the weekly podcast episodes with subject matter experts from around the globe, from different industries, different companies, but we want to build on that and branch out. For example, short form content, right? Where we've created rapid research reviews, where we summarize research papers in a minute or less. And then we use simpler terms, but we also use motion graphics and animations and things like that, really like investing in short form content. I want to continue to write on LinkedIn and prioritize that because that's felt really rewarding. And then you you talked about the big vision, right? And so I honestly want us to get to that point where it really feels like uh, any new member gets immediately immersed into a close, tight-knit community. I want us to get to a point where we have weekly industry chats in our Discord or whether that's on Zoom, whatever, where we're bringing on recruiters, professors, peers, et cetera, providing a ton of value for free. And whether that's job opportunities or Q&As, answering questions, social atmosphere, I think that's a, a thing that people might be missing out on, or especially during the pandemic, there wasn't enough of that social atmosphere. So I want to bring that to the community and I want to provide that space for companies and other organizations to tap into that community as well. Awesome. In my mind, what I'm thinking here is phenomenal for material science engineers, but some of the problems you're solving for material science engineers, other technical professionals face the same problem where maybe the skill itself is changing or the employers don't know about it, or they've just you know, they have been immersed in what they were trying to do from a technical aspect. And now all of a sudden they're in this career world and they want to help. Do you have any plans to expand outside of material sciences or is that where you think you'll stay? Yes, we definitely do have plans to expand to other majors or similar majors as material science and engineering, but maybe other engineering backgrounds, chemical engineering, mechanical engineering, et cetera. In terms of what we've started to do this past year, we have an outreach manager that not only reaches out to material science student organizations, but is reaching out to mechanical engineering, chemical engineering, et cetera. It is a lot of the same challenges and then also a lot of the same companies that they're interacting with. And so that is definitely something that is in the works and something we can continue to build on because we want to provide value. And if there's other people that can benefit from the content we create, then why would we ever exclude them? 
Love the vision. Love to hear about it. What I really love is seeing you actually do it. So we've been talking now for over a year now. Yeah. And just to watch your growth is incredible. We haven't had a chance to connect in probably a little over a month or so. And I saw your one minute or less clips. I'm like, I love that. That is such good content. <laughs> the dude who I've seen do it twice, he, he speaks so quickly. I'm like, <laughs> I know. Yeah, but I can still understand him. I'm like, dang, I need to learn how to speak with that cadence and still be understood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, is this sped up? Like, even I don't know, but we try to make it super easy to understand. But it's sometimes hard to condense this very technical in-depth paper in a minute or less. So yes, sometimes you yes. speak. Hey, you get it through, and they can always go learn more somewhere else too. Exactly. Um, I want to talk about brands and community, and just about technical professionals that you work with and have grown up with, because I think there's a lot of value in that for our listeners. Before we move into that, I want to give a couple plugs here. The first one is, if you're a company that hires a lot of engineers, consider checking out Puneet's community and consider connecting with Puneeth. I'll put all this stuff in the show notes. I can tell you as a marketer and someone that gets paid to do this for companies, it is harder and harder to reach the talented people where they are. Puneeth is not only connected with talented people, he's connected with the most talented people. So he says, hey, here's a group of talented people who also is motivated enough to join the community, add value, take their career by their own hands and try and grow it and try and invest in themselves. And you have created a community of those type of people. So if you are at a company, you're an HR or you're an engineering manager and you're thinking, how do I reach the most talented people? You need to talk to Puneeth. He can help you do that. And then also there's a lot of engineers, not as much material science engineers. I know at least one checks out our podcast once in a while, but <laughs> the rest I think would be more mechanical, chemical, electrical. And you heard Puneeth, he is going to continue to grow this network. And so even if you're not a young professional that's trying to figure out your career, there's still some good content here. People like understanding the technical nature of other people's professions. So once again, put it in the show notes. If you're an employer, check it out, connect with Puneeth. If you're an engineer, check out the community. The worst thing you can do is get in there and say, this isn't for me, but I get in the community. And although a lot of it's over my head, I do enjoy what I see. <laughs> I appreciate that. And I just wanted to add really quickly that one thing that we've learned, we always ask advice from our experts that we bring onto the show. And a lot of them have said the same thing that innovation happens at the frontier between two disciplines. And mm -hmm. so that is something, maybe another reason to join the community is if you're an electrical engineer, mechanical, et cetera, having some exposure to material science and engineering might spark some new ideas that might be beneficial to the company you're working at or the research that you're doing. Fantastic point. I'm glad you brought it up. Thank you. All right. <laughs> now let's get into the brand stuff. So now if you're a traditional listener to the show, this is where we're going to get into the stuff where we talk to marketers, business development leaders. Now we're talking to someone that you want to try and hire. And he knows all the people that you want to try and hire. So right now I want to talk about the importance of brands and the way that changing over time. And we'll get into the details, but in your experience with your community, how important is the brand to attracting the top talent that's in your community? Yeah, it's super important. And I think it's vital to emphasize the opportunities that are present within the company for the talent that you're trying to recruit. A lot of companies, the first things that come to mind are GE, Tesla, Boeing, even Boston Scientific, they do a great job of this, but they have designated internship and early career rotational programs. And that's been helpful for not just attracting, but retaining 
the best talent within the MSE community or related communities. Companies like GE have great connections with universities. They have a strong social media presence. I think that is very important nowadays. That's where people like me are spending a lot of our time, not just LinkedIn, but Instagram, TikTok, et cetera. They also add onto that a well-structured internship rotational program that establishes the culture from the get-go that young talent wants to be a part of. I think that just to wrap up this thought, that best culture or ideal culture is different for different years. So for me, like a great work-life integration or great management, that flexibility to work remotely, those things are imperative and also having professional growth opportunities. Those are my priorities. Maybe others would be willing to sacrifice that work-life integration a little bit or that flexibility to work remote for more intensive, but more rewarding projects, more impact that they can make um, at the company, even early on in their career. So those are maybe just some things that I would keep in mind if I was a hiring manager or HR team at a company is those are the things that you want to emphasize early on. And that's what keeps people in. The thing I like that you said there in your example too, is you might become familiar with a brand because of social media or what you hear and they develop that brand identity in your mind and that makes you attracted to them. But then even if they're a brand you're attracted to, they have to have the substance that you can see where they have the internship. They talk about what it's like to work there. You're able to see the leaders and that's a big difference in our generations. My generation, and I, it's broadly speaking, we're a lot about the logos. First of all, brand was not used nearly as much as it is now. There was no college football brands. Now every university is a brand. But to us, it was like logo, colors, that sort of thing. Now brand is what attracts, but then another part of brand is the culture. And the thing I want to emphasize here for people that are thinking about taking on a new digital marketing campaign or trying to grow your brand, make sure your brand is representative of the company that you are. I have this conversation frequently where people want to create a certain type of content, but it's not reflective of what it's like to work in the company. And so you may be able to attract some talent, but talented people have options. And if they get inside your brand and it's different than what you told them, it's not going to be long before they're looking for something else. Everyone knows that there's mobility now, there's opportunities. So I think it's even more important for you, number one, to have a substantive brand. And number two, make sure that brand is real and matches the culture that you have inside your organization. Absolutely. Because I just think about it, you can do a good job of attracting talented engineers or talented workers. But if they're part of your internship program, then they have every right to leave after three months and never come back <laughs> if you don't have the substance. And so the one thing that I would add to that is when I talk about culture, another thing that came to mind is making it more than just work and making it an environment people want to be in, not just within the company, but within that same city and that same environment. When I came into Boston Scientific, for example, it was like the young professional network and the people that I met, I was immediately invited to events outside of the company, like whether it's going to a brewery or like house parties, things like that. That's what made me want to stay in Minnesota. And so it's important, not just, oh, I came in, I like the company, but don't really like everything else about the city. The things that made me want to stay are more than the company, if that makes sense. Yeah. Cause that company is people. And exactly. If you're around, you can be in working for the best brand in the world. And if your team sucks, your job sucks. <laughs> you're going to want to leave. But yeah. you get to say you work <laughs> at a big brand. <laughs> so interested more in some of the tactical stuff here. What other channels do you engage professional content on? And what does that look like? I engage for my personal 
personal development and professional development, LinkedIn is a go-to resource. I think some people like Justin Welsh, for example, for writing on LinkedIn or Sahil Bloom for personal development frameworks, mental models. And then finally, Alex Hormozy for business strategies. Those types of influencers in the LinkedIn space have provided a lot of content that I can implement in my day-to-day life. But also outside of that, I spend a lot of time just listening to podcasts and reading books such as Deep Work or Atomic Habits. And then that's something that is a constant reminder to help me become a better human being. I tell everyone, you can't 100% rely on anecdotal evidence and stories, but you can glean a lot from it and make the numbers make more sense of what you're trying to do. So just understanding how a talented professional like yourself consumes professional style content is valuable for our audience. How do young professionals now find employment? And is there a difference between how young professionals find employment and how you've experienced top performers find employment? Interesting. Okay. So for me, my main resource was like LinkedIn, like the LinkedIn jobs, for example, and just really figuring out what opportunities are out there. I just hit the keyword material science or materials engineer. And then I started from there. But for me, personally, after a lot of reflection and networking, my search just narrowed down organically with medical device companies. It was clear that Boston Scientific, Medtronic, and Abbott were those like top three companies that medical device professionals wanted to work at that made the most impact. And so that's naturally where I narrowed down my search and where I focused my efforts. I think in terms of If there's a difference between top performers and the rest of the field, top performers probably like leverage their time in terms of networking and connecting with people who are in roles and companies they're truly interested in. And they go from there, they leverage insights and referrals. And then instead of applying to hundreds of roles, they really try to differentiate themselves instead of just submitting a general resume. That's how maybe a hiring manager, in my opinion, will be able to differentiate a top performer is it's clear that they allocated a significant amount of time into refining their resume, into creating resources that show that they're really invested in that opening. Overall, if I'm looking at it from a HR team of a company trying to differentiate top performers from the rest of the field, it's really hard to say. I feel like it's a lot of word of mouth and that brand presence is key there. But LinkedIn is probably where I invested a lot of my time in terms of finding those jobs in the first place. Yeah. And I think you described a distinct difference that maybe you're not aware of because you are a top performer. I would say in the past it was, hey, we're going to go apply for open jobs that are on LinkedIn. And so if you put a job opening on LinkedIn, then you would get those. What I heard you just describe is you looked at that stuff but you figured out the companies you wanted to work for and then started to look for the positions. And so one of the things I talk to a lot of people about is people like yourself, you're making this decision well before you're talking to a hiring manager. You knew that you wanted to work for Boston Scientific. Before that, you wanted to work for them outside of that opportunity. And what people miss sometimes is how important content and showing up in a community like yours and proving that you have the brand, how impactful that is because you just don't know all the people that you're missing because they're not applying. Yep. It's like, you just miss them. Exactly. Exactly. And I think just to add there, this is the long-term game that you have to play, but the people who you'll attract top talent by investing in the people that you currently have within your company, and then they'll spread the word. If they really enjoy working for you, they enjoy the opportunities, then they will naturally share, Hey, if there's anybody they know that are looking for a job, come here. It's a really good place to work. Yeah. 
well said and creating opportunities and channels for your teams and employees to be able to do that is once again, important to be able to get that message out. All right. So I think a lot of people are listening to this saying, dang, how does Puneeth have this much time to be able to do this? We didn't even get into how you're also a real estate mogul. We'll talk (laughs) about that on a different episode in the future, but yes, he's also a real estate mogul, all this stuff going on. So share with us, what is your best routine or habit? Yeah. And I'll say it's hard. Sometimes it's definitely hard to juggle things and be able to focus my efforts. So by no means am I perfect, (laughs) but I think one thing that has helped and has been a key differentiator in those good versus bad days is my journal right here. It includes things that I'm grateful for. I talk about my mentors, how I'm grateful for them, my family, friends, girlfriend, and even like the team that I work for at work, all of the opportunities that provides grateful for the podcast and the people listening to our episodes. And that just puts me in in a better mindset starting out each day. And then adding on to that, I just write down frameworks to keep in mind my goals for the year. And then also like hand in hand with that manifestations, I just basically write down what I want to accomplish and reading it back daily helps me stay focused on that, make sure that I'm prioritizing those tasks that move the needle while also operating in a place of gratitude. So that's best routine or my best habit that has kept me focused throughout the year. That's a big one. You got a lot tied into that too. A lot of proven things, right? Gratitude. You have your vision for where you're going. This is the things I talk about where I didn't think about any of this stuff until a handful of years ago. And so I love meeting people like you that You've been doing this. You probably do as long as I have, which is, but the, <laughs> I don't know the gratitude <laughs> and having the direction and following up and reading on that is so, so important. Once you start to do it, you see the power in it, but until you actually do it, it's hard to understand the true value and power in it. Yeah. Once again, Puni, thank you so much for be, uh, being a guest. Uh, would encourage everyone, please check out his podcast, check out his community, whether you're an employer or an engineer or an engineering manager, there's a lot you can glean from Puneet. And if you don't want to make that big of a commitment, at least connect with him on LinkedIn. We'll put <laughs> all that stuff in the show notes. So you can just link to it and click there. And once again, Puneet, thank you. Thank you, Matt, for having me on the show. This is a real pleasure. I really enjoyed the conversation and it's interesting being on the other side of the podcast. <laughs> so I loved it. Awesome. Thanks, everybody.